right, welcome to the Love Shared Podcast, the show that explores how God is moving in the community of the River Church in Redlands. We are on episode six, uh, and tonight we're going to be talking about um, the Navajo Nation and the river's relationship with Rehoboth and the people in Rehoboth. But first, let's introduce our podcast hosts. Nick Intout once declared himself to be the ruler of his own home, a title that has been disputed since the first day he moved in. Regardless, it is very likely that what is left of Nick's autonomy and power will soon be usurped when his three daughters convince his yet-to-be-born son to destroy him. <laughs> Welcome, Nick. Hey, thank you. And that destruction is well underway. Terry Heemstra has declared that once and for all, she does not like green eggs and ham. She does not like them here or there. She does not like them anywhere. Welcome, Terry. Thank you. Welcome. And my name is Mark Leonard. I was put on this earth to shed the light of truth onto every unfounded argument that Nick makes during the next 45 minutes. Finally, <laughs> we have a guest with us today to help guide our discussion, musician and root beer enthusiast, <laughs> and one of the many fine people who traveled to Redlands from Rehoboth this week. Welcome, Matthew Yatsiti. 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 There you go. I was not even close. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I've heard it said so many different ways. It's just kind of a knowing to make sure. <laughs> Matthew, you brought with you uh, this evening a, a flute that um, you played a little bit before we hit record. Uh, we would, I think, I think it's time to hear a little bit of that flute so that we just get a little flavor of our conversation coming up. All right. So you want me to play now? Hit it. <clears throat> Last little whoop at the end like that. That's how he ends all his songs. I've heard so tonight he did like two songs, like three songs, three songs in front of uh, the people at the river and uh, the Rehoboth band, and that's how a lot of those songs end with a little like whoop. What's that? What is that? That's just, just like when the, you whip it. You whip it. It's cool. Whip it good. Yeah. As in the words of Devo. You, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're gonna start this. We're gonna start our conversation with a few rapid-fire questions. This is the part of the show where we shoot questions at our guests to see if they can keep up. Are you ready, Matthew? I think. <laughs> All right. Am I starting the rapid-fire? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm okay. ready. Okay. Uh, this question is. Um, when we were in Rehoboth this November, uh, your family and you were preparing a sheep. Do you remember this? You had prepared oh, a yeah, sheep. Oh yeah, that was right for before a... the um for my sister's singing. Yes. Oh, that's when I seen you guys. That's when okay. I saw you last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so there was like this sheep basically being slaughtered, right? I mean, yeah, it was being butchered, not slaughtered. Slaughtered. Butchered. If you kill it and leave it out to rot. Okay, okay. 
I appreciate this the, the rapid fire question. Or setting up the Start question. The question is what's what's your favorite part of the sheep to eat? Oh, that's a hard question. Well, I do like the intestines because they're really good, which we'd wrap them around the fat. But then again, the eye meat is really good as well. But then a good delicacy. All right, that's enough of that question. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. See, I remember that conversation. I remember that. that was, yeah. If you're ever in Gallup, okay, you can... Okay, Matthew. <clears throat> Matthew, my rapid-fire question Martin, is... You seem, you seem so sheepish after that Did question. You... <laughs> Did you make that flute? No, this was actually given to my father, uh, a friend of my father's. It was given to them, and it's been sitting on top of the shelf for a while. And one of these days, one of the, a couple months years ago, I started playing it, and now it's mine. So I play. Now it you're traveling it. around SoCal, yeah. rocking that thing. Second question is, how do you learn songs on it? What is the tradition of learning that music? To be honest, I don't really know any songs. They're all impro improvisations. Is that part of the tradition? See, this is uh, how rapid-fire questions go, Nick. So a lot of, <laughs> so a lot of um, songs they are memorized, but with me, I just have trouble. I try to memorize my my songs, but they just don't stick. So, but I usually just do whatever comes a feeling whenever I play this. So, hmm. it's a more matter of improvisation. Like Very it. good. Like All it. right, my turn. This is gonna sound seem silly, but I'm this is, I'm still gonna ask this question. If you had to pick, which would you choose, Snapchat or Instagram, and why? <laughs> I pick Snapchat because Snapchat you kind of get to have a conversation going back and forth. Instagram kind of takes a long time, and Instagram you have that big urge to always edit every single photo, so it would even take longer. And mm. with Snapchat you get videos, you get text messages, you can even send money through Snapchat. So I'd say Snapchat. Wow. Um, All right, thank you. That just <laughs> I'm trying to figure out why I would want Snapchat. Oh yeah, there's so many different interesting things you can do with that. One. You shouldn't. You're you're 30, right, Terry? And I'm too old for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a young man. My, my mother has has Snapchat. She's see, five, come on. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Or she was born in '59. All right, showing me showing me up again, Matt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. That's rapid fire, Len. That's rapid fire. All right, Nick. Um, Let's dig in. Uh, let's dig into the the meat of our conversation tonight. Have you got uh, something to start us off with? Yeah. Well, basically, Matthew is here uh, in Redlands because he's on a tour. Will you talk a little bit about the tour that you guys are on and what <clears throat> you're doing and why you're doing it? So um, at Rehoboth, we before spring break, we have a week called Student Alternative Curriculum, uh, acronym SAC. So we call it SAC Week and. Every year, the choir or the band will hand off to each other. So last year was the choir tour. This year is the band tour. And we basically will go around and kind of spread the music of the band, but also we'll have student testimonies so people can hear about how the students are, what kind of lifestyle they come from, but also we'll be able to teach them about the culture of the area and also spread the word and show them the new things that Rehoboth is currently working on. We're trying to build a new high school, so... Right now we're showing a video that was made in September and October, and we'll be showing that around here. So, and also spreading the music that we practice on so hard. Cool. So <clears throat> you were a student at Rehoboth, uh, and for those listening who are like, "What in the world is Rehoboth?" Um, Rehoboth, maybe you can tell us what is Rehoboth. 
So Rehoboth Christian School was a school started back in 1903, so we recently celebrated, I think, our 112th year in service. So it's a Christian school that was meant to kind of be at the headquarters for the Christian Reformed Church, and they that's where they took all the doctors and the mechanics, so they would go in the area and kind of witness to the people around there. And also they did a school, take in mind, it was a boarding school, so it was a part of the, the dark history of the boarding school, but things are kind of changing now. Ever since the 70s and beyond, it's been getting more and more friendlier in environment. I think it's a really great environment. Also, it's really uplifting to the student body. The air is nice, and it's a small school. And being it's a small school, everyone's like a family together. We all know who, if someone has a problem, people know there's someone there to help them. So, how many students? There's like what four total overall. We have 504 students in grades pre-K through 12. In the high school, we have about a, hundred, a little bit over 150, under about 180 in that and range. What percent of the student body is native? About 70. 70? Is that, 70, 75. Is that mostly Navajo? Yeah, about 70% now. Okay, and then a little bit of Zuni, Zuni. We have some Apaches. We have a couple other Pueblos in the area. Okay. And a few smidgenets of... Predominantly places. Navajo. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about, so you, you have a really cool perspective, and we'll get to that in a second, um, because you have seen both Navajo and Zuni, uh, but tell us a little, little bit about just kind of the size difference in near in and around Gallup uh, of those those tribes. Like what, what kind of numbers are we talking about when we say Navajo? How many people, um, where does the tribe kind of all live, sp- spread out? Uh, relative to, like, say, Zuni, the Zuni tribe? So the Navajo, it's a reservation largest Native American reservation land-wise in the world. It spans across three states, so that gives you the size of how big it is. And the population of it is around 320,000 people. With the Zuni reservation, they have a small amount of land in New Mexico and then a small amount of land in Arizona because their heavens are located in Arizona. But that is a population of, from what I heard, it's about 19,000 people in Zuni. So Gallup is kind of in the middle on one of those parts. So Zuni is right south of Gallup, but you also have to travel through more Navajo land, Navajo reservation, before you get to the Zuni res line, which is um, separated by one state, uh, a mile long of state-owned land before you get into either reservation, kind of a border, I'd like to say a DMZ zone. DMZ. So... For you, uh, you you had a lot of interesting dynamics kind of growing up. You had the Rehoboth community, which is where in relationship to Gallup. So Rehoboth is located on the east side of town. For a long time, we were our own separate deal. But recently, last year, we were annexed as into Gallup. So now we're a part of Gallup, and we receive all the services. But we were located about um, two miles east of Gallup, uh, right off of um, I-40. I-40, okay. So you have the Rehoboth community, which you know, and you currently um, are kind of working at Rehoboth as a, how would you describe your, your role there currently? So it's kind of like a devel- um, development assistant as well as a cultural ambassador and hiking guide. So whenever work teams <laughs> like come that. in, I'll work with them, teach them whatever I can about Navajo and Zuni culture and the history of the area. And also I'll be able to take them on hikes and we'll go caving to Elmore. I'll take them around Zuni, show them that and just different various hikes throughout the area as well. And also I work with uh, within the development office in Phonathon, so we'll call our 
previous donors and kind of ask them, well, thank you again for your gift, and we want to see if you guys would like to give again this year. So we're finished with that. We usually do that around the end of the year. So so you're you're a poster child. You're kind of like Rehoboth poster child. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have people in the posters. I just go and speak. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Matthew. Like, Matthew, can I can I ask a this is a more serious question uh, if we get into it? But I mean, so you're part of a Christian community in Rehoboth, um, mm -hmm. but you're also part of a a tradition that has its own. Oh no, he froze. He sh he froze. That's <laughs> shocking. Look Come like. back, Mark. There you are. Oh, you're back. You froze. Back? You, yeah, we didn't hear all your question. Part of its own. Darn you, Netflix! <laughs> You're part of a tradition that, and then you is froze. Part of its own. Sorry. So you're part of a a a people who has their own tradition of uh, spiritual roots, and what does that mixture look like in your life and in your community's life? How do you make that work? Well, one thing I kind of go off of is something that um, someone told me a long time ago. They say, "Look who you pray to." check to see who you're praying to. Are you praying to the one creator who made everything? Or are you praying to something else? So, so descri describe a situation um, where those two things come into conflict. Because you're, so you're some, a Christian, right? In some prayers, there are um, things where you pray to the one creator who made everything, and some other prayers you'll be doing to something off the side, or you'll be doing to the holy people, which, which are kind of like the ones who passed before us. It's sort of like how the Catholics see saints are. That's what the Navajo see as the holy people. Kind of like the cloud of witnesses that in Hebrews, right? Yeah, so they say that in the morning, the morning star, that's when the holy people are around to see you. So you do your prayers in the morning. You run in the morning. So the holy people see that you're up and doing things and asking for their blessing, and they'll give you their blessing, which are the people who passed before you, your family. Mm. And when you die, you go to the star and see them. So you grew up in a home um, as... A young man who became a Christian through what Re kind of Rehoboth it's Christian School? Kind of a lot of different things put together. Camp. So through Broken Arrow Bible Ranch is one of them. Also Rehoboth Christian School is just sort of a long process of just understanding different things and just seeing different things as well. Kind of feeling whatever I feel I felt. It's kind of hard to explain what I felt. And so, but you also have this deep, deep love uh, of the Navajo culture and people, and also Zuni culture. Yeah, I have a deep people. love for every culture, that's the thing. So it's always interesting, I think, cultures are, because it's, it's a way to see the people. If you look at their culture, you kind of get to understand how they live, what things were like, and it's it really that's what I find interesting about cultures. That's why I take a deep liking into my culture, because it kind of opens a window of how life was like back then, so you kind of get that feeling for both Navajo and Zuni. Cool. And every culture, mostly every culture is pretty unique in its own ways. So take us <clears throat> through as a teenager. Um, you're, I've, I've driven past where you guys live on our way to Zuni that one day. I think you pointed it out and mm -hmm. said our family, this is... Mm -hmm. we, what is it? I can't say that. It's on Jones Ranch Road. That's easier to say. Jones Ranch Road. Chichilka. <laughs> among the oaks. Yeah, oh, nice. There's oak trees there. So living among the oaks, um, 
what was like the best part of growing up in a Navajo home? But hold on a sec. It wasn't only a Navajo home, right? You're well, my father was Zuni, but everything is majority Navajo. He's kind of more Navajo by assimilation as well right now. Okay. So I didn't really get to experience much of um, Zuni culture until later. Gotcha. When, when I was in high school. So what was the best part about, as like a teenager growing up uh, in a family and in a, in a culture, the Navajo culture? Hiking. Uh, in the summer, going to squat dances, a lot of food. Nice. A lot of sheep and <laughs> a lot of lot of sheep too. <laughs> About eighteen sheep are butchered for this one event, so and it, they feed everyone. Every it's sort of a sense of community too, I think. And people will bring stuff so to that people give out, so they'll bring bags of flour, sodas. People can drink, and everyone's cooking, and you have that smell of cedar, and you have that pine smoke, that cedar smoke in the air as well. And pretty strong sense of community within. Mm -hmm. When when I hear you, you talk hear about your family, being sung yeah. at night when they when they do a little social dance and everything, that's their first night. Cool. Matthew, what you know, the river, um, our community goes out. <clears throat> I think we've gone out every summer for the last few years, right, Nick, uh, to Rehoboth. Yeah, we. I think we've been um, since I've been here. I think we've been about six times out there for different trips, learning trips service-related trips. So, yeah, it's been a lot. So, Matthew, from your perspective, why why is that relationship important uh, that we that we continue to, to grow and strengthen that relationship between our church community here in Redlands with uh, your community in Rehoboth? Well, one thing is just it's always good to have people who are willing to help. That's what we love about any work team that comes is they're always they always come with a working mentality. Especially the when the Redlands Redlands team come, they're always ready to work and ready to get the job done. So that's what we really like about the community, and they're also such a great help. And it also just opens the doors up to us meeting new people. And with with the relationship that we have, it's just there. It's great to have a really helpful. Hand and the Redlands work team is an extremely helpful hand. Is it frustrating to see um, Nick just sitting around when everybody else is working in Rehoboth? Uh, no. Is that, is that kind of frustrating? No, it's... He, he, likes, he likes his siesta. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well, the thing is, is, I think as long as a job gets done, right? That's what all matters at the end of the day. That's right, Mark. As long as it gets done, you get <laughs> off my back. So the best part is... About waking up is Folgers in your cup. Yeah, Folgers in your cup. The best part of kind of growing up Navajo for you or like being a teenager on, on the res, you said hiking and like the sense and of community the and parties. And guns whenever you want to. All right, all right. Yeah, let it go. Yep. What was like? What were some of the, the um, challenges for you... Uh, as a incredibly um, cross-cultural savvy, you know, teenager, but that that takes a huge amount of. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't take that much effort and energy to to bounce in between cultures as much as you do and did. Um, what were some of the bigger challenges that you faced? Well, as like not, a teenager? I, don't, I don't really have a balance between cultures. It's usually majority Navajo that's looked at in our household. And <clears throat> but what about like getting going to Rehoboth? That's not necessarily. I guess seventy percent of students are Navajo. Mm -hmm. 
Well, then also it's being different if you know about your culture too, because a lot of the kids don't really. They're more um, assimilated into American culture, so majority of the kids there um, don't really know Navajo, but there are still those kids who do know Navajo. You you read and write. So Navajo. I I did not know how to read and write until I joined the Navajo classes. So that other than that, I was able to just. Where do you do Navajo stuff. classes? In um, the high school. Oh, really? Yeah. At so Rehoboth? It's offered now. Whole one and two taught by Johnny Harvey. Oh, no kidding. I didn't He's know a good that. teacher. That's great. So now I'm able to read Navajo. I have a Navajo Bible I brought with me on the trip. Nice. So, I can, so I'm able to give the blessing at the end of the band concerts, which is from number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. I have it memorized, but... You should read it in a minute. You can show it to the camera if you want to. There it is. Real... <clears throat> Real Navajo. What is it Very called? Very nice. Dien God. So this is called the Dien God Bizad, which what? is the Holy Bible. Dien God Dien means holy God, so it's kind of like God's holy word. Nice. Huh. But what I'm saying is, that's what I'm saying, which is the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. So that's one thing I kind of learned is reading and writing Navajo at Rehoboth. But also there is people, gears kind of will push you away because you're not fully Navajo. So. Mm. But their words, their words don't matter in 20 years, right? Mm. That's what I think the way things so you've really taken it upon yourself not just to kind of grow up within the culture, but you've sought uh, kind of the, the traditions and understanding why things are the way they are. Um, out of, I think, anyone I've ever run into uh, in that community, you have uh, a real sense of where the traditions came out of. And why does that matter to you? Why is that so important Well, to I'd you? like to find out where things came out of. Just is a fun way, too, to find out why it's done and also to know what reason it's for there to do. So that's why. I, I'm not really a fan of just doing something without knowing what it is. So if I someone tells me to do something, I'll kind of look into it, see why they do it. And it's just good to know where you stand on things, right, to know why things are done. So when you have groups come and uh, you take them hiking or you take them to um, downtown Gallup for a Navajo dance or a shaved ice, shaved ice <laughs> uh, what, are you, what are you hoping, like with, with our group as our church comes, um, and you're sharing all this information about um, why people practice this religion or this, you know, um, you took us, I remember, to um, on a right outside Zuni. There were these little Anasazi caves. So that was in Redlands. Not no, Red Redlands is where <laughs> we are. That was in Rama. Rama, yeah. Rama, New Mexico. So uh, on the way to Rama Falls, there's a little cliff dwellings of Anasazi people. So, well, what I like to so you're asking what you, what would I like people to take? Yeah, what do you why do you why do you do that? Like that's you can tell I could just tell when you were driving us around and showing us it's <clears throat> very important to you and um you know that it's something that you really hope people catch and I I mean I did. I caught you know um a 
the, your passion. Oh, so what is it that you're hoping people well, kind of like would, receive from that? And I would learn? like to shed some light too, just like on just different things. So people don't always think about just the stereotypes. You kind of think what it's actually like being on the reservation. Also, just knowing different ruins and like that. And it's also, I think, just to teach people to enjoy it because it helps them learn something new every day. Uh, a wise man from I think Long Beach. His name's Jack Johnson, not the singer. He's a native, but his name's Jack Johnson. He he told me that um, if you learn something new every day, even if it's a small thing, when you grow old, you'll be a wise person because of all this. Just even small things you learned every day, if you learn something new every day. So that's what I think is important about teaching people, kind of sheds that light so they know what it's really like. Matthew, you know, as, as being someone who grew up in white America, and and I'm white, I mean, I've, I've grown up in a... Med- in the majority culture, so there are hundreds of things that I don't understand about um, your experience growing up in in not a majority culture. You're you're part of a you're part of a people that grows up in in multiple cultures, right? You've got your traditional um, Navajo and Zuni culture that I would think is is sometimes in conflict or is sometimes difficult to balance with majority 21st century uh, culture and and white America do teenagers do kids struggle with that conflict is it common for you know like the Amish they have the tradition of rumspringa where when they reach a certain age they you totally you that totally culture. saw that on Netflix didn't you Rumspringa. <laughs> you totally saw thing. that. It is a real thing. I'm I'm educated. So I I, I actually uh, met some I met some Amish in the Midwest and they talked about Rumspringa. So we usually don't bring weapons to the podcast. <laughs> it, 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 it's my bottle opener and I'm just kind of playing uh-huh. with it. So yeah. for those of you listening at home, Matthew just tr- took out a knife. Um, it's a bottle opener. Very close so. to Nick. Um, and honestly, <laughs> I could see why. I mean, but <laughs> so getting back to the question, it's is that a difficult? Is there? Do teenagers struggle with that? Is there? Is there a point at which every kid just wants to get out of um, one culture that their parents and their grandparents maybe value more than they do at that time in their life, and they just want to break out into the popular culture? Yeah, majority of Native youth do do that, so that's why our culture is a dying culture. So that's one thing I'd like to do is sort of give a little preservation to it so that there's still hope that whatever stories or just different things we do and the languages, you know that it's safe to pass on at least another generation. But a lot of youth do go with more of the popular culture, and they think that the Navajo's culture is outdated and such, so... How does that make, I mean, you're apparently someone who places a high value on that culture. What does that make you feel when um, the kids, the part of your generation, isn't valuing that as much? Well, I think it seems kind of foolish because your culture is who you are. And the thing, I, I was taught that if you know who you are and if you know where you came from, then you will have a better understanding on where you can go. Hmm. So that's one thing. That's why I think it's kind of foolish if you don't even want to learn your own cultures. As well. I'm all right if you want to learn another culture, but I think it would be good to learn where you came from 
before you kind of branch out. Hmm. So it's kind of like putting putting your mask on when the plane loses pressure before putting your mask on something else, someone else. Kind of make sure you know you're good. Do you um, find, I mean, it sounds like a lot of your time is spent with those coming into, coming outside, from outside of where you are and teaching them about your culture and about you guys. Do you spend a lot of time teaching those in your community as well? Or is it mostly people that um, are coming from outside, like those of us in mm. Netherlands who come to you? Mm, that's a good question. Well, I teach people who want to learn about it. So Whoever think, that may be. <laughs> so yeah, so it could be someone who's around the area or it could be someone who's not from the area because that's one thing I think as well is if someone wants to learn about something, then they will learn about it. But if you try to force teach something on someone, they'll just close their mind and nothing will go on. Do you get a lot of <clears throat> so do you get a lot of Navajo folks that ask you questions no. about they think it's pointless asking the Navajo questions on their own culture. So, or asking, did they ever ask you about questions about, I don't know, uh, majority culture or American culture or, you know, you have a lot of experiences like this where you're traveling when around it comes a to lot. Food, yeah. <laughs> Chipotle foods, or, or no, like um, like English breakfasts or like. Then they want to ask your opinion. Yeah, You're, like okay. how's breakfast here? What's the breakfast like <laughs> there? And, and now you can teach them about uh, root beer. Root yeah. beer. Sass, sarsaparilla. Now Stephen Sarsaparilla, not sponsored by them, but <laughs> yeah. Hey, I I know uh, there's a a friend um, out in New Mexico uh, who has a blog. Um, his name is Mark Charles. Do you know Mark at all? He's a former student, I think, at Rehoboth as well, uh, and he, he writes a lot about um, reconciliation. And, I mean, he's tackling incredibly, you know, a huge uh, topic of what um, reconciliation looks like for, for Native people um, between, uh, you know, just a, an incredible, uh, a tragic history and kind of like the present-day um, situation for a lot of uh, Native families and stuff, and um, I think he does a really good job of um, just being prophetic and calling people to look back at, at our history and consider some of what has happened and what has been done, and even like legislation that that's been passed. And um, you know, one of the big challenges that I see is like it's really hard to help people when you don't know them. And it requires people like yourself who are willing to build bridges and befriend folks um, in, uh, in different cultures. And I see you as an incredible bridge builder. Um, you told me one time that you really feel called to protect and be a protector. Mm -hmm. um, and you, I think, were kind of thinking about, at that time, like law enforcement. Still am. You still are. And I challenged you then, and I want to I want to challenge you now, um, because I have you on the airwaves, and you can't hopefully stab thousands me. Thousands of people are listening. Thousands. Um, I just see so much value in what you do to protect that culture, um, to protect that way of life, to protect a language and understand, um, you know, 
a religion and uh, the way people do something. It's so valuable and it's so so cool. Um, how how is it that that you're just not buying that argument from me? Because there are <laughs> because there are people who are actually better at language and the religion than I believe that. I don't know any nineteen year olds that are though. You're only nineteen, right? No, I'm not even nineteen. You're not I even nineteen. You're eighteen. Man. It's so it's so beautiful what you're what you're called to. So um yeah, I I just I love who you are. I love what Rehoboth is doing. Um, I'm so excited to hear that you have language and uh, Navajo classes now um, from you know and, people and who Nick, are. I wonder, do you think this is maybe? I'm not going to put this question very eloquently, but do you think people like? I'm used us, to that. I'm used to that. Yeah, that's no problem. <laughs> do you think people like us? somehow have like when like Matthew when you say this is a dying culture there's that's like there's an incredible sadness in me when you say that obviously I can't feel the depth of that sadness like um, people from that culture would feel but I think there's there's a, a real um, there's a real longing for preserving Native American culture even among uh, the majority culture, uh, like like I'm from, and do you see that in your experience with people coming through Rehoboth as well? Do you feel that? <clears throat> trying to think. Like, do I see people trying to still preserve the culture? Well, I mean, I feel like there's at least in the circles that I travel with, and, and maybe it's it's just the type of friends that I hang out with, uh, is there's a, real, uh, there's a real love for preserving Native American culture. There's a real um, desire for, for us to see Native Americans uh, working, and, and like Nick said, working hard to preserve that culture because if it went away, we would all lose something. Uh, and something pretty valuable. I see it more with people who are not from here because it's it's not really with people who are around there because it's kind of a thing you deal with day to day. So you don't. It's like where if you have, you kind of take it for granted. So like water, we don't really see how much value it is until it's gone. So until you come to California yeah, and, no, well, and there's no water and you're like, wait, we have some water. And, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so it's like that. So I, I see more people who are not from around the area who would like who want it to be see preserved, but it's just a hard thing to do. But um, not many people around the area are I see try to preserve it, but there still are people around the area who do try to preserve it. It sounds right. like there's for you just this incredible sense of community, and I at least when I listen to you I, I feel it. Do you do you see yourself staying there in that community for a very long time even at the age of 18? I mean I don't know what a long time is to an 18 year old but you know do you see yourself staying there for an indefinite amount of time or and being a part of that community? I see myself staying there till August till I go to college. Oh, college. <laughs> and then and hopefully yourself coming back. And hopefully moving a little bit west of our position right now. Where? I don't know, somewhere in California. Arizona. Oh, California. 
<laughs> of so, this position right now. <laughs> yeah, of like where I'm sitting oh, right now. West like of it. by the beach. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> or somewhere. LA. Yeah. Gotcha. Big city. So, okay. <clears throat> As a cultural ambassador, which is a great description, bridge builder, um, what is the what are some of the most egregious or maybe that's the wrong word, but uh, what are some of the like the biggest misperceptions you think people have? Oh, you stole my question. <laughs> Dang it. I'm always like a step or two or four ahead of Lenny. <laughs> Generally, that's you're just, you're just hogging the mic. <laughs> yes, yes. So, what is so a cultural ambassador? Thing no, what are the biggest like misperceptions people have about natives? That we all live in teepees. <laughs> you don't live in a teepee? No, we don't. <laughs> That's plains. Yeah. Or how there's no running. Uh, there's no like. How they think every single person is Amish when there's some power, but there's still people without power and water. Well, your mom. You said your mom has Snapchat. Yeah. She's like ahead of definitely ahead of where I am technologically. So it's just like people have this image of native folks as being like they have this image of like New Mexico as just this dry desert with teepees and people in loincloths. When my so image of New Mexico is from Anthony Bourdain, and there was a bunch of cowboys out in the um, like out in the middle of nowhere. Is that very prevalent there still? That's, or? Like, that's like eastern New Mexico. Oh, okay. <laughs> But, like, I've gotten a work team that came from Escondido. This is not the one we're not going to say, but it's, um, I'm not going to say, but they're from Southern California area. And this they who shall not be named. <laughs> was it, it wasn't Mark's family? Because no. he has family that lives in Escondido. Okay. okay. <laughs> no, they weren't Leonard's. Okay. But, like, no, this girl was like, I thought there was going to be, like, Amish people and wagons and everything. And I'm like, where did you hear about New mm. Mexico from? Was mm. she disappointed? Uh, she was surprised. Nice. <laughs> she was surprised so, that we drove there and we talked like, to nah, the we, we uh, slaughter sheep here. Yeah. <laughs> so you think you think like one of the biggest misperceptions is people just think of but, the reservation and it's like they think primitive. Yeah, they, they think, think of like, it as an old way, but old, yeah, like a hundred years ago. Yeah. That's what their their mindset is. Get nice. Cool. What do you think, um, like, as you look at life on the, the reservation, what is, uh, um, like, what are some challenges that you see? I mean, people always talk about alcoholism as a huge challenge. Uh, you know, what are some of the challenges that you see um, for that sense of community? Poverty. That, There's just a lot of poverty. How does that impact people? It like impacts you. people. It just kind of keeps people down in a way, and with poverty comes crime, and to kind of get in a life of crime, and there's no really way to dig yourself out of that from there after that. And it brings a lot. I think then also it kind of spreads to other people, and it kind of messes up a lot of things within the community. It destroys that sense of community. People stop trusting each other, and things fall apart. So I think that's one of the main problems in the areas. Cool. Um, if you're interested, you can follow Matt Yatsity at uh, on Twitter at Matt underscore Y96. I tweet every now and then. But... Tweets occasionally. You're probably better off catching him on Instagram My at pictures are fire. Matt 
underscore. No, no, Matt dot. Matt Matthew, dot. Matthew Matthew dot. It's Matthew. <laughs> Matthew dot yacht city. So M A T T H E W dot Y A T C I T Y. And he um, Instagrams pictures of some of the adventures that he gets to go on with Rehoboth. Uh, he also Instagrams pictures of hikes and stuff that he takes people on and and his root beer apparently. Root beer. Um, I have, with your permission, one final question. This is the wild card question. Uh, this is the question that everybody wants to ask, uh, but that nobody really dares. I've and got one too. Mark's got one too. We've got, so two, we've got sure. two wild card questions. Three, three wild Here's card mine. Questions. Here's mine. I'll try to think of one. <laughs> um, you know, I don't want you to be offended by this, but if I saw you walking down the sidewalk from the back, uh, you know, you have a really long hair, you have earrings in both ears that are pretty dangling, and if I saw you from front, you even have a necklace on. Mm-hmm. Um, we might say that you kind of dress uh, in uh, white culture like uh, f- feminine. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. What's happening here? I like to show off my bling. <laughs> you're you're blinging. You're blinging. Yeah, but but there also some of them have some cultural things to go back to. So the earrings are kind of a way to, when you reach your manhood, you kind of, it's it's put in with a string usually. So, um, but your I, earrings are put in with a string. Yeah, I've tried it with string before. My ears got black so I just went to French loops nice. so like that and then just turquoise is a real deep meaning also in that area over there this is it's kind of it's, it's your blingage this is your ice that you wear is your turquoise so that's why I kind of wear that and also it just kind of shows who you are and what you wear and it's unique I think that's why I do this I go to the beat of my own drum as I was told by someone else. So. What about your um, long hair? Oh, long hair in um, Navajo culture is kind of a symbol of wisdom. Like, so when you have your hair, you have your wisdom. You cut your hair, you kind of lose all that wisdom. So, so like Mark Leonard right now on the wisdom scale, pretty low, right? Like a... He's like a two, maybe. <laughs> I you keep my I keep my wisdom in other places. Yeah. Do you bag? Do you just bag up your hair and? So that's almost like like Solomon, right? Like, yeah, kind of like Solomon, Solomon like a like a Nazarite vow. Okay. That's cool, right. man. I, All I right, like so Matthew, that. I'm going to preface my wild card question with the same, uh, with the same preface, that uh, you know I'm I'm asking not to be not to bring up anything controversial, but uh, but. Uh, well, I guess I am actually. So, my, my wild card question is this: Shameless. So, I went to I went to school at the University of North Dakota, where mm-hmm. when I was there, our mascot was the Fighting Sioux, and we have since dropped the mascot. It's been a huge uh, North Dakota political hullabaloo, uh, where there are some Lakota Sioux uh, tribes that are for the mascot. There are some Lakota Sioux tribes who are against the mascot. In the end, um, the state government just basically told the university that you can no longer have the mascot. The NCAA told the university you'll never have a championship uh, on your on your campus if you can continue to use the Sioux mascot. And so the the university has dropped the mascot, and, and right now we're we're the University of North Dakota. Uh, 
nothings. But my question is... It's better than Stanford Cardinal, which is a red cloud, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, my question is, why should this be a subject that we care about, that we don't dismiss as, I, I don't care either way? Why should, why should we care about this? Well, why is this important? Some some people may see it as offensive. It just depends on which things the fighting scouts don't seem too much, but just more of like um, kind of like how the Redskins uh, Redskin was actually sort of a term, from what I've learned, also was a term that um they would call the natives after they kind of burned them or set them on fire, and their skin would get really red from that. So that's when they would call them Redskins. Hmm. So so there's a there's different ways you can look at that, but it should be a way because if you only have one, then it kind of seems like it's one-sided. If you only have one culture, that's kind of used as a mascot. But then also, we shouldn't have our problems. We have outlaws and cowboys, and it just—it <clears throat> depends really what name I think you use and who you. But there's always going to be someone who is offended by even the slightest thing. Yeah. There was an art exhibit that kind of brought it home for me um, at the university while I was there where I went into the room and all four walls were lined with the um, the Braves mascot. Can you picture the... the yep, Atlanta sort of, Braves. Yeah, the Atlanta Braves profiled um, mascot. and But it was... Um, Every picture was depicting a different cultural stereotype. So, like when it got to when it got to the Irish, it was the same Atlanta Braves face, but it was decorated. You could it had the green hat and, and everything, and it was Irish, and it was this depicted as this drunk, um, slovenly, you know, Irish no good bum kind of thing, and and it was when you looked around the room and you saw all of these cultural stereotypes and then you finally got back to the original Atlanta Braves mascot, you realized how Native Americans see that mascot differently um, than the rest of us. And it, it really made an impact on me, like, oh, I get it now. It's, it's so stupidly stereotypical um, and it's, it doesn't... You know, people are not mascots, and that's that's what the speaker in that art exhibit was trying. That was the point that he was trying to make. And it, seeing that art exhibit with, you know, my background is Irish, so seeing that Irish person depicted as this drunk uh, bum, it, it really made an impact on me in thinking differently about how Native Americans see those mascots. I have a uh, wild card question. <laughs> If you'll allow it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we all saw your knife. I'd yeah. like to know, you own a knife. Have you ever actually used it? <laughs> I use this one as a bottle. It's a little Swiss Army knife I bought in Santa Fe. I majority use it as a bottle opener or to, like, I use this part this afternoon to take out the can tops of the beans for the Navajo tacos. <laughs> nice. Could you could you use it tonight when Nick is sleeping to cut off some of his wisdom? No, <laughs> cut off my hair. Well, this is stuff. not really like my 
meat cutting knife or anything. So <laughs> you do have a meat cutting knife, and you yeah. have it. So, so that would be oh. this one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. All right. It's kind of crazy here. <laughs> that so this one's my bottle opener. This one's my bottle opener and uh, my screwdriver. So it's little Swiss Army knife. Um, sometimes I use it to clip this little scissor to clip my nails when I'm really bored. Mm. <laughs> okay, this is kind of a random question, but best. Is this hiking... a new segment? Random question? <laughs> yeah, random question. Best, no new segments. <laughs> best hike in in New Mexico or best hike within 15 miles of Gallup? Best hike. It depends on. It depends on what you're into, I think. My, hiking. You're my, into hiking. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> what do you mean, what are you into? You walk well, in the woods or, people, like, the some dirt. Some people are into hiking, but then they they get afraid if they stand Sheep's next to eyeballs. <laughs> they get afraid if they stand next to a 40-foot ledge, but I think the crevice is a really great hike to do. Every hike, though, has its own great ways in a sense. Yeah, the crevice is so my the favorite. The crevice is great if you want that adventurous feel, and it kind of, if you're not from around the area, it kind of, pushes you mentally to do that but yeah. then if you want to see the area pyramid would be a good one because it's nice and high pyramid is beautiful too shout out to at mario perez jr on instagram one time <laughs> conquered his fears and scaled the crevice did he do the crevice he did the crevice oh, and people he he uh, had a great experience on that you'll have to ask him about what if you stuff. hate hiking like me hmm yeah, what okay. hike is best for those people? Uh, Aurelia's Cafe, they have good Italian service. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right, we got to wrap this up. Um, thank you, Matthew, for joining us on the show. I'm sorry you had to sit so close to Nick during the entire time. <laughs> no problem. I spent a whole week with him in a car and everything. That's right, baby. This is nothing. So this is nothing. Yeah. All right, uh, that is our show. We have... Um, We've argued, disagreed, and compromised our positions, but most importantly, we've shared some love. Thanks for joining us tonight if you are listening live. And if you are not, thanks for downloading this episode. You can download more episodes if you go look for us on iTunes, search for The River Church, or just go to theriverCRC.com. That's where you'll find links to the podcast feed, the blog, and a bunch of other good stuff about our church community. Welcome your feedback. Wow. Did you see that? He just whipped his hair. He just whipped his That's hair. That's what you get yeah. for holding it up. Yeah, I had a whole thing. This, this show is over. Okay. Sorry. Thanks for joining us tonight, uh, Matthew. Terry, good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Lenny, Bye. you did not Lenny. see this hair whip. Watch this. Did you hear the hair Beautiful are the feet of the ones who share the good news of God.